Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 92. This is your first time here. My name is Damien Ross. And besides being the host of this podcast, I'm a full-time RVer, aka digital nomad, that has lived and worked in all of the lower 48 states. I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living magazine, and I'm also the publisher of our newest magazine catering to all RV owners called RV Today. Head over to rootlessliving.com or rvtoday.com to learn more about how to receive your copy of either magazine. On today's episode, I speak with Jared and Andrea, and in this episode, we get you a really kind of fresh perspective behind the scenes of a couple that had to wait until the kids were grown, basically being semi-retired, and then able to hit the road. Before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Jared and Andrea to the show. How are you guys? Yeah, great. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Oh, it's exciting times to be here. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know you guys as well. So where are you right now in the world? We are currently sitting at Carolina Beach, North Carolina in the state park. Nice. And do you guys consider yourselves like full-time, part-time, some-timers? Uh, no, we're full-timers. We've uh, sold everything we have, so we are traveling with what we own right now. So I don't know that you get more full-time than that. Well, that's definitely <laughs> the definition of full-time for sure. Uh, what are you guys traveling in? We have a 2015 F-250 diesel King Ranch Ford that we're pulling our 28-foot Airstream Safari with. It's a 2008, new to us. A couple of years ago, we did some, uh, as my wife would say, some facelifting for it. And now we're airstreaming around the country. Nice. Okay. Well, sometimes I can get kind of an idea of the date, but because it's a 2008 and a 2015 truck, when did full-time life start for you guys? It's only been two and a half, three months now. Wow. Like, oh, this is crazy. I've had some, like, I hate the term newbie. But I've had some fresh. This I think you guys might be the freshest. Well, no, I had a couple on that hadn't left yet, and I thought that was an interesting to talk about how they're prepping. But you guys are there. That's really cool. Well, yeah, we've been out since September first, twenty twenty one, and uh, man, it's been ups and downs, and highs and lows, and laughter and tears, and uh, a lot of fun along the way. That is probably the best way to describe the first 90 days of this lifestyle. Well, let's do, this is going to be easy for you guys. If you guys can't remember, then you're going to be in big trouble. But <laughs> let's go back, way back, 90 days. Uh, <laughs> where were you guys living and uh, what were you guys doing for work? And, you know, kind of what made you decide to do this? What was the trigger to pull the trigger? Well, we were in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is uh, northern Colorado, north of Denver. And I had been a policeman there for 21 years, and we had raised our family. And we owned a mixed martial arts gym after my retirement. And I was kind of, I was spending all my time there. And uh, Andrea was kind of getting lonely, to be honest. Uh, the kids had graduated and were moving out of the house. And you know, she had primarily taken care of the kids while I worked as a policeman and provided for the family and, and she wanted more. So she took me up to the Poudre River there and we sat on our thinking rock and, and this is probably about 2018, maybe 2017. She sat down and was basically like, Hey, I need more out of life and I want to sell all our stuff. I've been watching YouTube and we're going to live in an Airstream. That's amazing. I mean, first, well, it, it, yeah, it was kind of like, I'm going, do you want to come along? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the crazy thing is I was, I'm a city kid. I grew up outside of Washington, DC. So I'd never had a pickup, never had a trailer, didn't like camping, never towed anything in my life. 
the next thing I know, I'm watching every video on how to back up trailers that I could find. <laughs> That's a, I, I could totally relate. <laughs> I'm a city kid too. Uh, basically, I always say the funny thing. I was born in Seattle. I learned to talk in Boston, walk in New York, and run in L.A. And I spent probably about 48, 40 years of my 50, or 45 at the time in Los Angeles. So, like, I literally just bought my first pair of ranch boots because we're under escrow on a ranch here in Oklahoma. And, like, I had to send photos to, like, all my, like, high school friends. And they're just like, what's wrong with you? Who are you? Who have you become? <laughs> but I love it. Oh, I, yeah, I do, too. But right. see, here's the funny thing. I've been trying to get Andrew to let me get a cowboy hat because we have a little – we oh, do have a go. fallback property in Wyoming. And I feel like I need a cowboy hat, but she's not signing off on it. I, not quite yet. I not think – I, I haven't gotten there yet either, so I'm on team – Andrea on this one, um, <laughs> but I'm getting close. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm just really the oddball out. You know, one, I don't want to kill deer, which if, you know, I'll kill a hog. You put a hog on my property, it's done. It's bacon. But uh, that makes me odd out here in Oklahoma is that I, you know, I just don't wear a cowboy hat, but I probably definitely need to get one. So yeah. probably the second officer that I've had on the show, um, I think Igor is still a Boston police officer making his way to, I think basically retiring and then they're going to be down in Texas. So, you know, I think it goes without saying, especially in the climate, you know, thanks for your service. I mean, I think any job, you know, that's a first responder job, I, you know, I bet everyone wishes it was nine twelve again. You know what I mean? Cause there was just so much love and appreciation yeah. for just everyone across the board. It was just a different climate and I miss it too as well. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for, you know, it's got to be weird for you. I assume, you know, being on the road, have you been able to just get back into civilian life or are you still kind of like on the go and, oh, that, you know, it's 10, 10, they're still partying. I need to go talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's been, it's been two and a half years now. So I, I felt like it took probably a good 18 months or so to kind of adjust, but no, I honestly, right now, I'd rather be with the group that's partying at 1010. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They look like they're having a good time. Right. No, no, that's, that's totally funny. Andrea, how about for you? I mean, I got to assume a spouse of a police officer, there's a lot of stress that just goes with that too, you know, when they're, when they're on duty. I mean, let's be honest. And it's probably put you in a different position as well, too, in this lifestyle that maybe, you know, maybe you want to touch on and talk about it all. Yeah, I just say that, you know, as being a spouse and with anyone that's um, doing what what Jared did is um, a, a hard thing. But then there's so many blessings that come along with it. And it's been a, an amazing journey so far. And we're grateful to be on to the next journey. Um, it was a it was a blessing in our lives. And now we're we're happy to be in something different, less stress, um, a lot more time together and a lot more freedom than than that previous life gave us. But we were grateful for it and uh, had so many great things come because of it. So very cool. You know, you and this is why I like asking questions like that, because then sometimes it'll spawn the next question. A, a couple that obviously probably didn't spend as much time together as you are now, just because, you know, those were long hours and you probably had a bigger home than you have now. How's been the adjustment in the last 90 days? One, you guys are I'll make the assumption that I know that you guys are always together. You're in a very small area. Uh, I, I mean, there are, there are, and you know this probably, Jared, as well as I do, but for different reasons, there are prison cells that are larger than some of the, you know, <laughs> RVs that we live in. And so, you know, how's that been for you guys? 
Uh, well, I, I told her if she continues to watch me like a hawk, I have to get her a dog or we're going to adopt a kid or something. Because every crumb I drop, I feel her eyes on me. I can't. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a messy, much messier person than I ever realized. Because we'll be having a conversation and I'll be like eating a bite of my sandwich and it'll just stop. And I'll feel, feel her eyes pierce me as the crumbs reach the floor. And she's. You know, and I'm like, golly, we need to get you a hobby because babysitting me is rough on me. <laughs> so it sounds like she is the uh, the officer now in this relationship a little. Which oh, is fun. man, I tell you what, I'm, I'm looking for a parole date or something <laughs> some days to get out of this trailer. But no, it's awesome. She does the inside. I do the outside. And, uh, you know, if we need our space, we just go for walks in different directions and then we reconvene. What was the square footage of the bricks and sticks? Uh, well, we had one. So we started downsizing in 2017. We had 3,500 square feet, and then wow. we downsized to about 1475. And now, if I do my math right, I think we're like in 184 square feet or something. <laughs> so let's talk about that. I mean, that's, you know, especially with kids and all the memories and you know, I, I mean, obviously you got to do a little bit of downsizing and I did too before I left, but I was still shockingly surprised that even in my downsides, how much stuff I'd kept from that move that I still hadn't used. What, let's talk about that a little. What was that transition going from 1500 square feet to a 10th of it? How's that been for you guys with all the stuff? Uh, I, neither one of us are super sentimental people. Um, as a matter of fact, our kids would always be like, mom, where did my, you know, school paper go? And I'm like, if it's on the counter, it's going in the trash, you know? Uh, so it was, I I do have to say making each step, you know, the process of elimination, we, we would kind of we kind of did it house to house to house. And then even in the process of selling and getting rid of and gifting the things we loved and wanted to still see in our lives would go to people that we knew we would, that would keep it, you know, that would the plants and some of the pictures and the things that we knew we wanted to pass the, the down to the kids. We went ahead and that was easy to release the more sentimental things because they were going to people we love that we know would enjoy those things. The coolest part to me about having such a small space is everything in here we love. We've it's it means something to us. And in order to bring something new in, we have to really look at, hey, do I really love that new bowl more than the bowl that I already have? Uh, and that's been super freeing for us, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm a broken record. I've said this a bunch on the podcast, but this is something that I really do wish we all got to experience, like between like high school and college. Like if we just took a two year, whatever it was, gap to live this lifestyle, because I just think that core message that you just shared, I think would save so many of us so much time and energy into what we value on things as of over experiences. And it's just something that doesn't really click. I mean, it clicked at me at 45 when I finally got on the road and I had to really downsize. And like you said, if you find a new shirt, you got to be like, all right, what shirt am I getting rid of? You know, because I can't keep adding shirts or coffee mugs. I think I had 25 coffee mugs in my bricks and sticks. And I think maybe I had two people over at the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for us, I mean, we're a family of five and then, you know, our oldest who's now 25 moved out. So then it was four and then, you know, our 20 year old moved out. And so it was a slow and gradual process for us as each kiddo left, you know, we got their to go boxes ready and it, it has, I felt been, 
has it been not like a five year journey actually to be where we are at least? But it, it's funny. We're constantly reminded when we are with the kids, there's always a joke amongst them that they'll come in and ask Andrea for something. And they'll say, Oh wait, you probably sold it like my bike. When they came home from school one day, they wanted to ride their bikes where we were downsizing and Andrea sold the bikes when they were gone. So there were no bikes to ride. I love it. Well, I, I think I, I honestly moved out of my house when I was 18, like right, you know, heading into college. And I think I came back that Thanksgiving and like my room was wallpapered and it was like, there was like a guest bed. Like I had no chance of like coming back. Like my parents just, they like straight up Airbnb it in the, you know, 1980s. <laughs> I was just like, before it was cool. Right. Before anyone was doing it, they're like, no, you're not. And the wallpaper was hideous. So there's no way I'm even coming back to even try to live there. So I can feel that pain. Love it. Let's talk about the 90 days of travel. I mean, normally I can't get into someone's kind of full, you know, journal of this. Where have you guys been? Like, again, let's go back to just really quick, the starting point and, you know, just kind of explain your travel schedule to me. Well, we took off from Colorado and we went up north to Wyoming. Um, we are kind of, I forget the term you use. I've heard it on a few shows. We have a, a, a tiny house on some private land in Wyoming that we plan to spend summers at. Nice. And then travel on the Airstream in the winter. So we went up there and dropped some stuff off. And then we went over to Salt Lake City for some work for about a week. And then from there, we were up to McCall, Idaho. And then we made our way all the way from Idaho down to Florida. Nice. And then we've turned around and came back north for Thanksgiving up into North Carolina. So, again, I want listeners to hear that they have a property and they have a tiny home and they're still full-timers. I get into these arguments with people sometime and and it's like the, the idea of full-time, part-time sometime is just more of, you know, like do you still own property or not own property? But, you know, I'm going to buy property here soon and it's not going to change yeah. my status as a full-time RVer no matter what. And I actually think the hybrid kind of lifestyle – is really smart, you know, especially, you know, kind of navigating COVID or just if you end up with an injury or you just need a break, it's so much better yeah. to take long breaks on property you own rather than renting. So I think it's actually really smart, but yes, you're still very much classified as rootless or full time. <laughs> I'm always like, no, it doesn't. People are like, Damien, you're buying property. You're not going to be rootless. No, I'm hundred percent still rootless. I'm going to wheels up in 30 minutes all the time. Um, yeah, we, we love it. And we have a pad right next to our tiny house that the Airstream uh, backs into. And the, the tiny house is completely self-sufficient off-grid. And it, uh, we're blessed it has enough solar that it runs both. And uh, so we spent most of summer up there kind of living in the Airstream, but working out of the tiny house, getting the land and stuff ready. So uh, we, we kind of like that idea that we can kind of sit in one place for most of summer. And it's in the Black Hills, which is, you know, a place a lot of people love to spend summer. So we feel blessed that we're able to settle down in the summer and kind of come off the roads when they're super busy. And then when everybody else goes back to work and stuff, we'll jump out in the fall and start traveling a little more. Very smart. No, that sounds amazing. Do you guys uh, like rent it out while you're gone or is it just closed up and locked up? No, it's closed up and locked up. It's uh, nice. You know, we've, we've had rental properties before and Andrea really never cared to come like sleep in the bed that, you know, we had one in Myrtle beach where, where tenants could sleep in there and we'd show up. And so we kind of just wanted to keep our stuff to us for now and, and just really be as free as possible. No, it makes sense. I think good transition then is to just like work. Are you, you know, I mean, I know you mentioned a little, you said you went to Salt Lake city for a week of work. So I don't know if you're fully retired or you guys are still working on the road. Let me know what's going on with work. 
Well, for me, um, we were in Salt Lake City. I'm a wellness advocate, so I'm I'm working to help others find natural solutions for everyday needs, um, and and so that's what I was doing. I was in Salt Lake with that, um, and then I'm also am very interested in looking for short term work as we go, but that hasn't happened yet because we're literally we have not stopped more than I think six days at a time in one location. So that will come after um, the new year. So. Yeah. And then I have a, a law enforcement consulting business that I can run from anywhere, basically teaching leadership to law enforcement, how to, to provide quality training in today's challenging world. And uh, so we're blessed, you know, I, I'm kind of like you, if I have a good internet signal and uh, connectivity, I, I can run my classes and then some of the classes are in person. So we'll travel to those spots well in advance and, and, really get to enjoy and learn the culture of our country as we travel and make a little money and, and work on the side. So I'm retired, but that stuff's kind of invested. We're still trying to hustle our way through the next 20 years. We started with a one-year plan. We'll see how long it goes. But <laughs> I think a, a one-year is a good mark. I think it ends up getting a little rushed. I always, now that you know I've been on the road full-time four years, lived and worked in all 48 states, I try to tell people, Try to set a two-year mark because then you don't feel as rushed. Man, our first year was stupid fast. I think we went to like 21 states, you know, in the first year. And you just, it's just too much of a pace. You almost get exhausted. And then the last three years, we've done the other, what is that, 27, if my LA high math is still working right. (laughs) And it's been a much better, and plus we've obviously gone back to some of the 21 as well. Um, and it's just been a better pace. So, yeah, I mean, I th- one year is a definite, like you have to at least, because like you guys have already talked about it. There's some real growing pains in the first 90 days. Had you guys ever RV'd before? Was that part of your lifestyle at all before this? No. Nope. Right. Okay. Because you know what? I actually, now I remember. Yeah. Because you, Jared, said you'd never even driven a truck. So that would make sense. Nah, so, yeah. Yeah. No, matter of fact, funny story. We rented a class C one time because we wanted to take the kids camping because Andrea's side of the family loved camping. My side of the family, we didn't do none of that. So we're like, okay, we'll rent a class C and we'll just take the kids up to the mountains in Colorado and enjoy a weekend. And we had a big old water tank on the seat, one of those big like sports coolers of water. And, uh, our son was tasked with holding that so it didn't fall off the seat as we got out of our roundabouts in our neighborhood. And I sort of got, we didn't make it 10 feet off the driveway when all of our water spilled all over the class C and we made a big loop back to the house to start over again. So that was kind of the experience we had prior to hitching up this trailer and driving off. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I always wonder about if the rental or the previous ownership, stops people from going full time because I will say, I mean, I probably should go back and do the math that the majority had no RV experience, maybe some camping experience. So they were excited about, you know, not bringing a tent and doing this, but very little RV experience. And uh, I wonder if it's because I rented a houseboat recently, flew all the kids in 75 foot houseboat Lake Mead back in May. It was, it was the worst week for me besides being around them because it was such a learning curve that <laughs> week. It was so stressful. I thought, oh, you know, it's just an RV on wheels. It's not. It's a completely different kind of beast. I can't believe they just let someone show up and, you know, get on the water with a 75-foot houseboat. <laughs> I'm like, I thought 40-foot RV was stupid enough that they just let us, you know, pick that up and attach it to the truck and you'll be fine. Uh, the houseboat was just stupid that they let you do that, but it was really stressful. So I wonder if people are like, well, let's see if we like it. And then they rent it and they think it's a nightmare because it is probably a nightmare when you're trying to figure all that out while on vacation. 
Oh, yeah. for sure. I, I, I mean, we, and that was our, our one year commitment was like, we will give full time travel one year commitment before we ever discuss any other options. Cause we knew it was going to take time to learn and grow and figure things out and get in flow. So yeah, I would never recommend just taking a weekend trip to see if you like it. Cause that's not the flavor of what full time travel is all about. Yeah, I was when people are like, you know, should I rent or, you know, because I don't know if I want a class A or a fifth wheel. I'm like, if you can rent it stationary and just get an idea, you know, because I'm and I've talked about this in the show. I've actually had people tell me, stop talking about how tall you are. Nobody cares. But at six, <laughs> seven, a class A is just it's it's a half a million dollars for me to get into a class A that I fit in. And I actually thought I was too tall for Airstreams. And I met some people and then they invited me in and their floor plan or whatever it is, that model, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually stand up upright in this. It, like, it, I don't know what it was. It was like some sort of sunken AC that went in more or something. But I, the first Airstream I've been in, I had to like hunch over. But the most recent one I went, I was walking around, you know, straight up. And I was like, oh, this would work. But that's what I recommend people do is if you can Airbnb it or outdoorsy it where it stays stationary and at least get an idea if you like the layout and the feel of it. Yeah, I... I- I don't know. For us, it was kind of what we call like burn the boats. We had no place to fall back to. Like we were going to make this work. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's really what you need is just that mentality of not quit when it gets rough. Cause there were some nights in the Utah desert that if I could have just turned the keys over and walked back to Colorado, I might have, but (laughs) when you don't have that option, you're like, okay, let me figure this out. Why is this not working? Am I an idiot again? What did I forget to do wrong or what I do wrong here? And that's the one thing I'll tell you is it's, I've, I'm not mechanically inclined. So this is all new to me as well is most the repairs are pretty minor and they're usually something I did to cause them. (laughs) But I, you know, what's funny too. That's something else. I, I really do need to go back and do the data because I feel like the majority myself included, not very mechanically inclined, didn't really work on my bricks and sticks. I usually hired, you know, a plumber, yep. electrician to come in kind of a thing. Um, but obviously in this lifestyle, especially where you are, if you're out boondocking, something weird. And I've made a mistake. I, my first time boondocking, I was really worried we were going to be gone for about six hours. And I was really worried someone would come by and steal the RV. This is like back in 2017. I think I've told this story to just shame myself. I thought would be really smart is if I pulled that emergency brake cable out, then my brakes would be locked was my, my thinking. But I'm so not mechanically inclined that I didn't realize that it's going to take electricity for those electric brakes to stay engaged. I almost was just thinking it's like a parking brake in a way. <laughs> yeah. So that morning, you know, whatever, four in the morning, we woke up to our batteries dying and our, you know, codes all, and I had no idea and bat completely drained the battery. Uh, and then it was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. Um, you, you kind of learn with those really hysterical, dumb mistakes and that's part of it for sure. Yeah. I, I, I would say that's probably the growth and Andrew and I's relationship. We've been married, gosh, 22 years now. And I, I think our growth the most in these last three months is our ability to laugh with one another at their silly mistakes. Whereas back in the sticks and bricks, you know, it was more, you know, it just wasn't as fun. Like out here you make a mistake, nobody sees it and you got to figure out a solution. You sit and laugh about it around the campfire later. So I think it's given us a lot of good perspective on what's truly important, what's not really important. And ultimately we can fix dang near anything. I also say, and you can agree or disagree, let me know what you think. If you pull out a toolbox and you lay underneath your rig or your truck in a campground, 
you will have someone come by wanting to help you. <laughs> I don't remember that in my old neighborhood. You know, if I'm cleaning out my gutters, none of my neighbors are coming to help me and figure out what's going on and how can I help. But in this lifestyle, you pop a tire off of something, people will come over to try to help you. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's definitely a very, it's a good balance, right? Like most people keep to themselves and give you distance, but if you need help, they're the first ones to come over and give you a hand. Without, yeah, I think we have a better understanding of people's space. Like I'm always, it's funny, and you, you'll probably start to really feel it as you, you know, are in this journey more, is the people that are new or the weekenders or the renters, you notice they don't have that kind of understand of people's space the way we do in a way. Like I, when someone knocks on my door and it's closed, I'm like, this is someone that doesn't RV full time. That's what I always say. Uh, I go outside and it's some weekender that's like, hey, do you know what time the office closes? I'm like, I don't know. Walk to the office. If it's open, it's open. If it's closed, it's closed. Uh, that kind of it's thing. so, so funny. We were literally, we were early to get to our campground a couple, like a week ago or whatever. So we pulled into Walmart just to rest and get some food and, and wait. And, uh, I was getting ready to take a nap on the couch. It was hot, so we had the door open. And all of a sudden, this car like slow rolls by us and looks at us. And a couple of seconds later, they slow roll the other way. And next, we know he gets out and he comes over. He's like, "Hey, neighbors, knock knock." And we're like, "Yep." You know, and he's a guy that owns the airstream, but only travels on weekends. He wanted to come see ours and talk all about airstreams. You, you definitely could feel the difference. Like the full time guys are just like, oh, I just want a break, no traffic. I'm gonna lay here for a minute, right. and we'll go check in. I like. I met a guy that he's. It was brilliant. He's a full timer, and he says goodbye. He waits until he sees people leaving. He goes out with his coffee mug. He talks to them a little and says goodbye. And then that way, you know, if he doesn't like them, it's they're leaving. And that way, it doesn't really interrupt them because it's their last day. And I thought that's actually pretty brilliant if you're someone that's not too super social. Um, I will say I got a knock on my door once and the person said, Oh, because the truck wasn't in front of the rig. They're like, Oh, I'm surprised you're here. And I was like, then why are you knocking? Are you reconning? (laughs) Like I've got enough of a past to know that knocking on a door when someone's not home and expecting them not to be there is a little bit of recon, buddy. What's going on? And that was probably one of my weirdest kind of interactions. Yeah. So yeah, we, we haven't had many of those. We did have some people at the state park in Myrtle beach the other night that kind of showed up with no rig whatsoever. Like they just popped up with a bunch of tents and stuff. And we we're kind of like, Oh, this is different. But, uh, whatever they did, they weren't there very long because the Rangers came and got them out. So we were thankful for that. No, for sure. I, I do. You, there is that element. I think, you know, I try to explain to people that there's still that there's the people that think they can roll into a campground at like 10 o'clock and like spend the night. And, uh, I've rolled into a campground and, Someone was in my spot and it was way past check-in. And I'm like, hey, just checking in and see what Well, we're thinking about staying an extra night. I'm like, that's not how this works. It's that <laughs> <laughs> you can. You just have to find a different spot. I have it reserved. They're like, oh, I thought we could stay if we wanted to. No, it's not how it works. How did you get this spot? We had to reserve it months in advance. That's how it works. <laughs> so when you guys aren't working, which sounds like it's it's not as much, obviously, as like you guys were doing full time and when you're not traveling and when you're not laying on the couch and getting bothered, what do you guys like doing for fun? Like, what do you what's the uh, the hobby, the exploring? What are the things you guys like doing? I'm super into water. So anything I can even with for camping near water, just sitting near it, uh, it, it just 
fuels my soul. So I, you know, anything with water, but paddle boarding, we love to hike. Um, we're also very much into meditation and yoga. So it's part of fitness on the road for us is super important. Um, and so anything active we're, we're pretty much game for. Was that the way it was before when you guys were living in sticks and bricks? Were you guys pretty active? Yeah. Yeah. I was a personal trainer for years and Jared um, actually has fought in a few mixed martial arts fights and owned a gym. And so, yeah, we, we've always seen uh, physical movement as a very important part of our journey. But but the nice part about this transition is we can kind of do it together much more than we did before, before it kind of like I had my schedule, she had her schedule and then the kids were kind of in the middle and when we, collaborate whereas here we get to do everything together so that's been one of the the real benefits is you know just having that space and that time together that we previously didn't no that makes sense and one of the things i noticed too is that for a lot of people um especially if they're not very active in bricks and sticks it changes just because i feel like nature is calling i mean andrew to your point you know when there's water nearby i think i mean there's definitely different levels of people that are drawn to water i'm i'm with you where if there's water nearby, I want to be as close to it as I possibly can. Even if it's the worst spot in the campground, but it's got the best water view, that's the one I'd rather have. Um, but I notice that there's a huge uptick usually if people don't have a very active life before, but it sounds like you guys were really pretty active. I will say sometimes I notice a downtick though, which is funny that people will be like, yeah, we went to the gym every day. We did all this and we got this lifestyle. We've just been kind of relaxing. So it's kind of cool to hear you guys are still keeping it at the same, but obviously less of the, the MMA, I hope, because that's... Usually- oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, she doesn't like doing any of that with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait for the guy to park at your your spot. <laughs> That'll be fun for him. Um, yeah, no, we're <laughs> no, good. And we, but we did kind of have that ebb and flow too, just even within the three months we've been out here, we found a couple days where we didn't do... Maybe it was raining or we just got busy doing other stuff. We're like, hey, we forgot to work out today. Or we didn't move enough today. So we're, I would say that's one of the things we've grown on in these three months is really kind of dialing on our schedule to like these two hours of work and then this is workout and this is explore. Just kind of getting better at the routine part of it. Oh, no, for sure. Now, it, obviously, totally okay if you don't. Some people don't. I really didn't besides maybe the 48 state thing. Do you guys have any kind of like goal that way? I talk to people all the time where it's, you know, they want to hit each state or each national park or every baseball field. Or do you guys have anything like that that's part of this journey or not really? No, not really. We, okay. we want to see everything um, and anything. Mm-hmm. So when we're in an area, it's always like, what's free that we can do? Um, nice. And again, we've traveled so quickly for various reasons, family and work and things. But as we slow down at the beginning of the year, it's definitely going to be, you know, what can we do in the area in nature? Um, we're always into hot springs and waterfalls and that sort of thing. So that is fun. But even the distilleries and stuff like that along the way, we're, we're really just wanting to immerse ourselves in the culture locally as much as we can before we hit the next spot again after the new year. <laughs> Are you guys uh, Boondockers Welcome or Harvest Host members? Harvest Host, yeah. We love Harvest Host. Very and cool. we love boondocking just in general. That's our favorite way of camping. Mm-hmm. We've already discovered that. And you guys, it sounds like in the pre-call, Jared, you guys are, your rig is set up to be able to handle like no power, just being on solar. 
Yeah, yeah, we we're very minimalist. We we've hardly ran the air conditioner. We got rid of the microwave. There's no television, so we don't have a huge draw on power. So we're able to run it with just a couple portable solar panels and uh, the occasional generator if we need it. Very cool. That's a great setup. Well, I you know I think we really kind of went through everything. I want to do what I like doing is the high low. Um, for those of you that don't know, I used to do this with my kids when I get them all together. They were ages you know two to twelve you know, or 10 to 20. And, um, I just, I've wanted them to see that people that are in their life have kind of the same highs and lows that they have, that they're not special in that way. So the low, um, it can't be COVID can't be bad internet, can't be flat tires. Cause I think we all deal with that. But in the 90 days, what's been a low in this lifestyle that maybe you didn't see coming or that just surprised you? I would say, I think for us, what the low would have to be trying to create community and that need to interact with others. Like we joked earlier about staying distant in campsites and not necessarily intruding, but there's also that like, Hey, I just want to talk to somebody besides you for a little bit. And uh, so I would say that is probably my low would be just missing all our communities and finding new ways to stay connected, which is completely possible. You just have to make it more purposeful. Like you're not going to randomly walk into your, your friend from high school that you hadn't seen in in 20 years at the coffee shop. because He's not out here in the middle of the woods with you. Right. Andrea, how about you? Yeah, it's on the same line. I think just our kids, we, we got married very young and we had kids very young. And so for the last 25 years, our lives revolved around our kids and their activities and their sports. And even our friendships were really based on what our kids were up to. And so our last one graduated last year um, and everyone moved out and moved in different places, different parts of the country. And so for the first time in our adult life um, together, we have um, the freedom, but also no, no one to care for and love on and, and spoil and, and really, you know, it, that part has been a huge adjustment for both of us. I think learning how to parent differently and, and not have them in our daily lives. Now I'm understanding the crumb sandwich comment, Jerry. I get it now. I get it. I see where it's coming from, brother. I totally get it. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up because I was going to have to throw that out to you. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I get those looks. Right. She used to run a family and now all she has is you. Family and friends and events and Oh man, I've, you know, I don't add a lot of people to a, a prayer list that I don't have, but let me just write this down. Jared, just kidding. Andrew, you sound, you sound amazing. I'm, I'm obviously just poking fun and, and I get it. I, Absolutely. What I laugh is, so I had custody of all four of my kids and I used to, I mean, full time, they went with their mom one Saturday a month and I used to get all four kids to four different schools and still get to work in that 839 range. I sit here sometimes on the couch. It's like 940 and I'm exhausted. I'm like, how did I ever do that? How did I get that done? And I can't even just drink a coffee and be ready to rock and roll by 9 a.m. anymore. It's the weirdest (laughs) thing. I don't know how I did it. I don't miss it, but I don't know. I kind of miss it, but I don't know how I was able to do it. What's been a high in this lifestyle? What's been the I can't believe this is our life kind of moment? Um, I can't, I have those frequently. I'm a big, I still get up early. I get a cup of coffee and I like to do what I call a think about where I just walk around wherever I'm at. And I think of just 
life and, and opportunities. And I got to tell you, I'm, I feel blessed almost every morning when I just get up and I look at the natural beauty that surrounds me and just the kindness of the people that you come across out here that, that sometimes we take for granted in the world. Or, you know, if you depend on what you watch or listen to, you would think the, the world's at, at an end. And then you get out here and like everybody's nice and it doesn't matter where they're from or their what color they are or their background. Like they're generally nice people in the world. So I, I would say that's the, the highest for me is just getting out in nature and talking to very nice people. Yeah. I always try to remind people the, the RVers you see, especially in Facebook groups, those aren't the same RVers in real life. Like you're just never going to have those kind of conversations. Really. Most people that are RVing, I would say I, we've ran into the 1%, but I think you run into the 1% in anything, anywhere in life. And they've been just the salt of the earth, the most amazing people. Andrea, how about you? What's been a big high for you so far in this lifestyle? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily pinpoint one exact moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, we've been to a lot of beaches along the the route so far. And that is again, something that's just true, truly uh, helps my soul, but uh, being out in nature in general, the fact that 90% of our day is spent out in the woods or on the beach or in the sand, whatever that is, um, that feels really, really good. But the freedom I think that has come with our lifestyle, again, we're working a whole lot less. We're able to be all together a whole lot more, but even, um, for instance, we're, we're, planning a family vacation. The, the five of us haven't been together in over a year uh, to Costa Rica. And so for the whole month of December, we're able to go um, and explore a totally different country in a totally different new way. And we wouldn't have necessarily been able to do all that with um, our old lifestyle. So giving up a whole lot of things to have all the new experiences that we are doing is, is probably my high. I am going to give you uh, two new highs for you. Um, one is Magnolia beach in Texas. Um, write it down. You, I mean, I'm a water lover too. It's one of my favorite because you're parking on what's like called compact shell. So you're not actually on sand. So even my 16,000 pound, you know, fifth wheel did nothing to it. It's compact. You're in the Gulf. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, high tide, low tide, really. I mean, you can park a foot from the water and you can be there for two weeks, plenty of solar, amazing people. It gets a little crowded on the weekends, but, you know, if you want to time it from a Sunday evening to a Friday morning, you really won't see anyone. And then even though the water's down extremely low right now, and I don't know what's going to happen to Lake Powell, is Lone Rock, uh, Utah. is That's dry camping, though. It's like 14 bucks a night, but uh, as opposed to boondocking. No hookups or anything. You're still just out there. But they do. I, the first time I was told, oh, you should boondock at Lone Rock, I got all excited because we're, you know, kind of on a different budget in 2017. Yeah. Got there and found out it was 14 bucks a night. And I was like, oh, this isn't boondocking. <laughs> isn't boon free? Is that what that means? <laughs> so um, those two are two of my favorite. Like, I just, I, man, I get completely refreshed and ready to go when I just spend a couple weeks at those spots. And so I want to recommend those two, especially because you guys love water. They're, they're just amazing areas if you get in those areas. Um, yeah, we appreciate that. We're always looking for, for new places to explore and, and Texas is on our plans, uh, for the spring, early summer when we head back out West. The funniest thing is, is so if you haven't been to Texas yet, and if you have any friends in Texas, the thing I love the most about Texans is you will announce you're in Texas. And they're like, hey, you're in Texas. You should come see me. And you look out on the map. You're eight hours away. <laughs> this isn't Rhode Island. Everyone in Texas asks like it's Rhode Island. Well, it's 80 miles an hour. You'll be here in like six hours. I'm like, that's not how that works. 
But yeah. and that's the part that'll crack you up. Watch. If you have anyone you know in Texas and you say you're in Texas, watch what'll happen. And I guarantee they'll be <laughs> at least six hours away. Um, <laughs> if people want to follow you guys or, you know, just ask you questions about the newbie, especially if, you know, I, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, especially with like you and Igor, uh, you know, officers that are transitioning from such a high intensity kind of life to such a really like relaxed different life. I mean, there's still some different stresses, but it's not anywhere close. Yeah. I have to assume to being an officer, where can people find you guys and, you know, follow your journey? Uh, we're excited to have them follow us. We have uh, a website, alternate roads.com alternate roads, just like the road traveled. And then we also do Instagram at alternate roads. And that's kind of been a side thing that we've found that we really enjoy is building a social media channel together and a website together. And we do weekly blogs and Andrea's fantastic at uploading pictures and all the stuff of our travels. And we'd love to have people join us there and share this journey. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for making time, coming on the show, sharing your story. It was a lot of fun to get to know you both. And then obviously team up with you, Jared, and make fun of Andrea. That was awesome. <laughs> I had fun too. Okay, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, I usually don't tease, you know, the wife of an MMA fighter, but it just seemed appropriate. See, like we're having a good time. No, I, no you, were, you were a moral support. You were a backup. I needed backup and you filled the role, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much again. Thank you for having us. Well, another good episode. A big thank you to Jared and Andrea for coming on the show. If you want more info about them or if you want to connect with them, just click on the show notes in your podcast player. Let them know that you heard them on the Rootless Living podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a great way of helping us get the word out. So if you're enjoying this, let's let other people enjoy it as well, too. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know you think, not you, but you. Please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.